You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as the Bucks get another win in what was an exciting game. They finally get home 122 to 118. They survive an absolute barrage of threes from the Utah Jazz, and they do it with Giannis putting up 32 points in the second half and having which I put the number up, Frank, and said that this was the seventh 50-10 five game in Bucks franchise history, which is true. It's a second for Giannis, and Kareem had the other five. But uh, I was actually just scanning through Twitter uh, before we started recording here, and the Fast Break Breakfast account put up that it's just the second game in NBA history where someone has had 50-10-5 and zero turnovers. And the other guy to do that was some guy called Michael Jordan. So... <laughs> This one was ridiculous. You, wait, you want to talk about this Giannis guy and not like Wes Matthews hitting a bunch of threes? Is that is that really? Okay, I'm not even. Fine. I'm I not guess, even giving I guess, you. The, I guess we. I, I'm not even yeah, giving I you guess. the choice because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not even giving you anyone the choice to go in any other direction here. I think you know, fifty. Maybe you can get forty, or you know, maybe we get distracted by some other stuff. I think fifty. It, it's all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of uh, you know, regular season kind of small scale uh monday night dramas i mean this this was up there uh you know for Giannis, um get getting very little help from his teammates in that first half he scores what was it 18 um but man the, the jazz just hitting threes left and right just felt like uh bucks were were swimming upstream pretty much all game at least from the three-point line um and, you know, felt like, you know, they were down 12. I think it was, was it Connaughton hits a three? I think it was Connaughton uh, more or less to end the first half. Uh, but not much help for Giannis. Bucks, um, you know, I think just scored 48 in the first half. Ironically, given the final scoreline of both these teams, Bucks put up, a, I think, a 120 offensive rating, give up a 115. So, you know, two of the best defensive teams uh, in the league. And ironically, uh, it becomes a shootout uh, when all was said and done. Uh, obviously, Rudy Gobert not being a part of it for uh, Utah is is part of that story. But um, you know, it. <laughs> let's just say this: I mean, the way that the the Jazz shot the ball tonight, um, you know, I think you would take this shooting over an average shooting night and Rudy Gobert in the lineup probably, uh, because twenty one out of forty five threes, fifty one percent overall. Uh, they hit fifty five percent of twos, which is a very high number against the Bucks. Um, you know, other than they, they didn't shoot a lot of free throws, uh, they did hit 11 out of 12, but not a lot of free throws. But otherwise, uh, this was, you know, I, I would say very much an outlier scoring performance from the Jazz. And, you know, some of the usual suspects, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, again, 24 points on 15 shots. And their bench, everybody off the bench, four guys, uh, each hit double digits. And just felt like, man, 
you know, they're just going to keep hitting these threes whenever the Bucks feel like they're getting over the hump. But uh, monster, monster uh, third quarter from Giannis. Another monster third quarter. He's had one, obviously, in Utah as well. Uh, he just kind of – a night where he just was not going to be denied attacking the basket. You know, even when he was missing shots, he was getting his own rebound. He had six offensive rebounds. Um, and, you know, 39 minutes uh, for, for the night – uh, I mean, he was, you know, he was clearly tired by the end of it. He actually, uh, after that dunk off of his own miss, uh, he actually, I think, made a, a little signal with his hands for a sub and comes out for 19 seconds. And I think the Jazz, like, scored, <laughs> the Jazz scored, like, four or five points in two possessions, I think, and then he comes back. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, this was just a, an incredible effort tonight from Giannis. Um, missed his first four threes, then hits three out of four in the second half. Um, you know, he starts one out of six from the foul line. You think, oh, Jesus, here we go again, right? Just <laughs> rimming out shots, you know. Uh, it's like, my God, this is just, we're not, you know, we can't get on the other side of this. And, uh, I mean, ironically, second in the second quarter, he finally hits a free throw. And he kind of mockingly, like, you know, gets the crowd, like, sort of, like, waves his arm to get the crowd sort of cheering, basically making fun of himself for not being able to hit free throws. And the crowd kind of gets into a little bit. Hits a second free throw. He's at three for eight. Then he finishes an and one uh, in the first half to go to the half four for nine. And then um, in the second half, I think he was nine out of ten from the line, including a couple of big ones inside the final two minutes. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, what more could you have asked of Giannis and Adekumbo tonight? I don't, I don't know. Not, not much because he he pretty much did everything that uh, you could have hoped for from the Bucks on the night when you know Bledsoe was was very poor offensively. I thought and. You know, aside from Wes Matthews having his his by far his best shooting night as a Buck, uh, they got some contributions from Pat Connaughton and Ursan came back from his injury to have some nice moments. But uh, you know, this game started and ended with Giannis, and and certainly the way that the game ended in the fourth quarter, it, it felt fitting that he was obviously in the center of uh of of the Bucks being able to just barely hold off the Jazz. Yeah, you mentioned Giannis bouncing back with the shooting. Uh, I'm going to call it elbow gate or I've seen a few people call yeah, it yeah. elbow gate on Twitter. Obviously, I mean, yeah, in all seriousness, when you talk about that, that incident, I mean, anytime Giannis goes down, it's kind of a scary moment and you're like, okay, well, is, are you okay now? And he sort of yelled out a little bit and he looked like uh, he was uh, in a little bit of pain there on, on the foul from uh, Tony Bradley, I believe it was. And it was, I mean, it wasn't a flag. Like they had to look at it obviously because he stayed down. The, the foul was fine. But, you know, if you land on your elbow or knock your elbow on, on the floor, whatever, it's, it's going to hurt. Uh, it's just funny that, you know, prior to that, and you mentioned he already sort of got on track with the, with the free throws prior to the half. Uh, but, but prior to that, to that foul, four for nine from the free throw line, 0 for four from three. After that point, nine for 10 from the free throw line and three for four from three. <laughs> and I mean, it just doesn't really make sense. And maybe it should make sense actually in the way that we don't really know what the hell's going on with Giannis's shooting, but, yeah. but, but possibly, I don't know, maybe he was a little bit sore and it, and it forced him to focus. I don't know. That's one theory. I saw another theory on Twitter. Someone tweeted at me that uh, it was uh, when he landed on his elbow, there was a demons of Jason Kidd being exercised uh, at that moment. I, I don't know. I, I, it was a, it was a strange thing, but uh, the point of all this is that, you know, thankfully he was okay and the Bucks needed every bit of him in the second half. You, it, it's funny now, when you look at the numbers on these two Utah games, uh, 60 points 
in the second half. So he's averaging 30 points. He had 28 last time, 32 tonight in the second half against the Jazz. And this game, honestly, at halftime, it felt very similar to the game in Utah. The difference was that Giannis kept it closer uh, than it was last time. The Jazz were hitting a bunch of threes. Uh, the Bucks were missing a bunch of threes and really unable to get anything going in, in the half court. It was, uh, I sort of commented because it, it looked even early when Giannis was getting into the paint. It was all like him on his own. There was no help, and you touched on that. that there was no one else really able to get involved in the offense. It was all uh, one-on-one stuff, and, and the Bucks just looked like they were getting completely bogged down in the half court. And this is something that the Jazz uh, do really well. And when we spoke about Rudy Gobert being being out of this lineup, the point you made yesterday that even if he's out, like this team is just well coached and they have a bunch of veteran guys that are just smart defenders. Their positioning is always right. And and they're a tough team to score on. If they're making shots and you're taking the ball uh, out of the net um, and inbounding it you know, from the baseline after every bucket, it, it's hard to get your transition going. And when they're set in defense, particularly with the Bucks team, as we spoke about, that they felt like, or you felt like they were going to miss Chris Middleton a lot tonight. I think we really saw that. And in the end, you needed the MVP Giannis to, to be at his best, as well as, you know, some guys, like you said, Wes Matthews hitting some shots. But this Utah team is tough to score on. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, we've seen last year, obviously, we saw Rudy defending Giannis one-on-one for, you know, large stretches most of the time when Gobert was in. Um, and tonight with, with Rudy out, uh, we saw a lot of Royce O'Neal on Giannis. Uh, so trying to put a smaller guy on Giannis. Um, we saw a lot of Jeff Green on Giannis. Again, you know, kind of more of a kind of wing, kind of hybrid 3-4 type players uh, defending Giannis. And obviously, I think the, the main thing we saw was just that, you know, his his length and, and strides uh, were just kind of too much, you know. And I think he was just really decisive. And, I mean, for him to score 50 points – with zero turnovers, one foul, obviously didn't commit any offensive fouls tonight, came into the night with, with 23 offensive fouls, uh, you know, in uh, 16 games. Um, and it feels like more than that. Uh, I mean, that's pretty remarkable um, that he played with that level of control. I mean, he only had one turnover last game as well, I believe. Um, so, or sorry, two turnovers last game, which was his season low. So two straight games here with a season low in turnovers and you go back now the last uh, four games, his foul numbers, uh, one tonight, three last game, two and two. So his fouls have also, uh, I think, been on a better trajectory, let's say. And, you know, again, we'll see if that's something that he can kind of, you know, manage. But this is the hardest thing to do if you're a player like Giannis. And I say a player like Giannis. I mean, there is only one Giannis. <laughs> so this is the hardest thing to do if you're Giannis. You are so good at attacking the paint and using – um, you know, your physicality and your athleticism to get to the basket that, you know, as, as Eric Bledsoe has reminded Giannis, Giannis has pointed this out, you know, well, I'm, it's occupational hazard. He's going to take some, he's going to have to, you know, pick up some charges probably with just little guys, you know, being caught in the crossfire of, of him attacking. And tonight to, you know, be for the Bucks to be able to spread the court well enough and for Giannis to pick his spots and play with the level of control that he did, I think is just, you know, remarkable um, in a night, you know, where he scores 50 points, takes 31 shots, uh, and was obviously the the absolute focal point of everything that they did. I, ironically, the last time he did not have a turnover uh, in a game was the 45-point night against the Sixers in Philadelphia 
last huh. April and early April, um, which is remarkable. That, yeah, the Bledsoe, uh, Bledsoe dodgeball game uh, <laughs> with Embiid. So pretty remarkable that, um, that, you know, he would be able to do all these things at once. And ironically, not the, not the first time that he has put up just a monster scoring night uh, while, while playing under such control. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the fact that he turned it around from the free throw line and the way he did, uh, the way he turned around from three-point shooting, the way he did, uh, doing that all while playing under control, not fouling on either side. Um, it's just, uh, I mean, that's an MVP performance. Uh, and, you know, his numbers back to the season now, he's back up to 31.1 points per game. Uh, I think he's at 30% even from three, a shade over 60% from the free-throw line. So uh, we certainly hope for better than the 50-30-60 club for Giannis, but um, certainly on a night like tonight, um, you know, given the circumstances, given the way these other guys were playing and given the way Utah was just shooting the lights out, uh, you know, you needed every, every last bit of what, uh, what he was able to provide tonight. And, um, you just can't say enough about just, man, when, when he gets going, uh, he's just incredible. Just his ability to bully and, and tonight, uh, bully while under control. It was just, uh, was pretty remarkable that that play he had in the first half, I think it was maybe his second basket where he just, and on the break just ended up knifing through yes, two guys was, and, yeah. and throwing down with his left hand. I mean, that was just a, just a remarkable play. And, you know, again, the final line, 17 out of 31 from the field, three out of eight from the foul line, 13 out of 19 from the free throw line, 14 rebounds, six assists, zero blocks, two steals, a, a turnover, or sorry, a foul and, and zero turnovers. And I think uh, our friend Dean Maniat uh, uh, pointed out that he put up 32, 11 and five in the second half alone. <laughs> um, just uh just a remarkable remarkable performance and and again it's it's fun i mean this we're, we're sort i think we're sort of seeing like the limits of you know how big of a workload he can carry <laughs> you know like literally every time down the court he's touching the ball at the top surveying catching at the elbow catching at the foul line catching in the post i mean you know especially with a middleton i mean you know, you gotta get touch, have him be the focal point every time down the court. And ironically, it felt like the only time <laughs> the only time that they didn't really get him a touch was, um, you know, in a possession that that might almost cost them dearly, which was that possession where Giannis uh, screened and ended up kind of rolling to the hoop, and Bledsoe settled for a, a, a tough mid range shot, and, hmm. and Bledsoe was probably the the worst, at least offensively, probably the the least valuable player from the Bucks' perspective just in terms of some of the decision making he took a really poorly thought out uh early shot clock straight away three that he thumped about two minutes left so very forgettable night offensively at least from Eric Blood so I think there were certainly some some good moments defensively but um you know overall uh again when when Giannis goes for 50 uh that's going to be able to kind of gloss over a lot of other guys fortunately for Bledsoe he kind of helped hold Mike Conley down to two out of 10 shooting. Yeah. We talked about him struggling a lot so far this season. Um, so Bledsoe was, you know, five out of 16 for 13 points. So, you know, okay. They got maybe they call that a wash. Uh, but, uh, but again, with Giannis doing what he was doing, you didn't really notice too much that, you know, Brooke Lopez goes one out of nine, uh, but has that massive block that clinched the game, which we haven't talked about yet, but, Bledsoe obviously pretty much, or Lopez pretty much a non-factor offensively. Bledsoe disappointing offensively. Dante missed all five of his threes, missed a bunch of layups, two out of 10 for six points overall. Uh, yeah, there was a uh, you know, Sterling Brown, two out of nine, one out of six from three. The, you know, some of the guys that we've been talking about really stepping up of late didn't step up tonight, but 
Giannis pretty much just you know growing into a uh, everything that 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 the Bucks needed, and, and obviously, um, you know, you have to feel feel like this is this is why it's nice having an MVP because sometimes <laughs> you can just do this. Yeah, it's it was it was just one of those nights, as you said. You go right through the box score and and outside of West, uh, yeah. I mean, you touched on the shooting there. Said so, said so Dante and Sterling go one for eleven uh, from three uh, combined. Bledsoe, that was that. So that three came uh, the one the the real thumper, like off the off the glass came uh, when Giannis took that that one possession break and he never left the scoring table so it was always just going to be one possession and as you sort of indicated earlier he just needed a quick breather and I mean I, I don't I didn't know what I was looking at when, when Bledsoe like if your idea is to get Giannis one possession off and you want to get him a quick breather then I, I would imagine that a zero pass possession on offense pull up three oh. from a guy who's having a, a bad shooting night is probably not what what you want and then uh, Utah scored quickly down the other end and then Bud uh, called uh, time and got Giannis back in there like very quickly but yeah it was I mean like I, I sort of pointed to at the start some of the numbers I mean the the Jazz to make 21 threes so they were a plus eight on three-point makes but then the Bucks uh, on free throws attempt 29 to just 12 but but that's really just Giannis because every single other player on the court not named Giannis attempted 22 free throws on the night Giannis attempted 19 on his own. And when you think about the impact of Gobert not being out there, you spoke about how he was able to just... He was too physical for those guys and he was too strong. And he, he was making his moves really quickly. And, and particularly in the second half, it looked like they were, they were getting him those post touches. And whether he... There was a few times where he was on Royce O'Neal. And it was one of the very first possessions of the game where... Royce O'Neal, like Giannis went to that sort of spin baseline uh, and he was probably going to score and Royce O'Neal just grabbed him and I was like, okay, he's not feeling too comfortable in in, in that position with Giannis. There's a couple other possessions in the second quarter, I think, where he got Jeff Green and Jeff Green, he he could just absolutely do nothing. And I I think that was probably the difference with with Gobert out. In terms of these guys and, and their defensive positioning, they were in good spots, but just having that, not having that seven, I don't know how tall go about that seven, two, whatever he is guy there that's able to somewhat, uh, you know, body up on Giannis in those post up situations. Uh, we've seen Giannis plenty of times in the past have success going downhill on, on Gobert when he has him backpedaling, but that's probably where they missed him the most. But yeah, Wes in this third quarter as well, when you talk about Giannis. Uh, having the the 18 points in the third quarter, the Jazz really didn't s- slow down shooting the ball as we've touched on. And Wes, I think, had four threes in in that third quarter, and a lot of them he was three for three in the first sort of four or five minutes of that third quarter, and that was a really important period in this game because for for the longest part, this this just felt like it kept on fluctuating between seven and sort of 12 and 13 points and the Bucks just could not uh, make any headway uh, on that margin. And that little burst where Giannis really started to get going and West hitting threes proved pretty critical because I think once the crowd got involved and once Giannis really got that momentum going, which started with some of those threes from West, then, then, then you felt like the Bucks were right back in the game. 
Yeah, I just I, I think back to that third quarter. There was that play where I think you know the Bucks got it. The Bucks would get it down to like a three point advantage. Yeah, and then couldn't make it over the hump. And there was that one play where I think Bogdanovich like had a nice driving layup, and then uh, Bucks maybe score or whatever they think they get a stop. And Brooke Lopez, I think it was Brooke, got a rebound and then rushed up up uh, an outlet pass that Bogdanovich just steals and gets back. I think it ended in Bogdanovich hitting a very contested, uh, like it was a three that like had a rear contest. I think it was, um, and it was just like Jesus. Like I mean, like every time the Bucks like make a mistake, they over rotate. You know, just they're just getting punished, right? And um, it, you know, in the fourth quarter, I think it was the fourth. Like Manuel Moutier. I mean, the Bucks had a double digit lead. I think there at one point, and you think, okay, maybe they've got this game kind of under control. They're gonna kind of pull away a little bit. Because the end of that third quarter, I mean, was was remarkable. You know, the, the, to go from being down nine, um, you know, to it, it felt like the Bucks were, were, you know, very much in control hitting that fourth quarter. I mean, plus sixteen uh, in that third, so they go up seven, had a double digit lead at one point, I think, early in the fourth. Um, but uh, you know, Emmanuel Boudier just hitting everything, uh, hitting all these like mid rangers, hit a contested three. It felt like there were multiple plays where the Bucks had, like, rear contests. Like, they almost blocked shots, and then they go in anyway, right? <laughs> so um, so I think there was, you know, again, some of that was just hot shooting. I was definitely frustrated as well. Um, ah, I forget who hit the shot, but there was one play late in the fourth uh, where it was like a two – it was like a like a two-three pick and roll or something. And I think it was Connaughton was defending on the man, and uh, – had tried to go over and, and whoever was, and I'm doing a terrible job of describing this, but, uh, but they weren't just switching it, even though it was like two wings basically. And um, it led to a, a three that, that Utah hit. And it was just like, Jesus guys, like just switch the goddamn screens at yeah. this point. Right. I mean, we've seen the bucks at times, especially when they go to Giannis at center with Sterling at the four, they just switch everything. Um, and, you know, on a night like this where it just felt like, uh, you know, the Bucks would kind of play their patent and patent roll, you know, pick and roll defense and just leave guys open. And obviously, you know, drive and kick, there were just a lot of rotations that left guys open. And you know, Jazz just did what they did and sort of took advantage. But then um, we finally saw more of that switching uh, later in the fourth. And, um, you know, that final play, I think it was Connaughton who uh, I was worried that Mitchell was going to, I was dead, totally afraid that, um, you know, the, the Jazz get the ball back down two with like 20 seconds left. I'm, I was spooked that Mitchell was going to pull up for three and just bury one, right? I mean, that would have been a fitting way for them to come back, would have been hitting, you know, pull up three on the Bucks. But um, I think it was Connaughton stayed at least close enough to him. But, uh, you know, the, he ends up getting a, a very, you know, he ends up using that quickness, ends up getting a step going to the basket. And, I mean, kind of, I'd say probably a fitting end uh for for the Bucks given given the way their defense is played and given how Brooke Lopez has played this year. You know, the fact that he steps up pretty late. I mean, you know, he was not he was not out very far <laughs> on that last Mitchell drive. Mitchell got very close to the basket and Brooke comes out at the last second and gets a piece of it, puts it off the glass. Um, you know, I think you, you can't give enough credit to Brooke Lopez and what he's meant defensively for this team early in this season. I think you know, credit the Jazz. They hit a lot of those like running little, like you know, ten to twelve footers. Like Joe Ingles hit like felt like three or four of them, like little short runners because they knew Lopez was protecting the rim. But obviously, when it counted most, 
uh, you know, Brooke was there and, uh, you know, he saves the game for the Bucks. Counterton hits the two free throws with three seconds left. And uh, that was it. Yeah. Four blocks for, for Brooke Lopez. And, and he's on a hell of a tear now uh, blocking shots. And you spoke about the, uh, the importance he has for this Bucks defense. And it was something I, I was thinking about as this game was happening when he had a, a couple of other nice defensive plays and he's just so reliable and his timing blocking their shots is incredible. He's so disciplined in the fact that he generally, I mean, you always see players like say, well, I was going straight up. You that, that should not be a foul on me, but Lopez does such a good job of that. When I was looking at that play, I, first of all, I had the exact same feeling as you when uh, Mitchell had the ball. I didn't think that he was going to try and get into the paint to score against the box just because, um, you know, the numbers will tell you that's a pretty low percentage shot. And it felt like one of those nights that uh, that the Jazz were just going to hit a three. And you're going to say, wow, they had 22 threes on the night and, and they somehow win a game that they probably shouldn't have when Giannis has 50. Um, but the fact that, that he did take it in there, I, I was also in real time thinking, why didn't he just like shoot that little like floater there instead of trying to take it right in uh, to Brook Lopez? It, it, it sort of... Um, surprised me a little bit but the question I guess I had for you that I was thinking about in my own head was we know what Lopez has done offensively in his game and uh, it's it always gets spoken about the threes that he's shooting the spacing that he affords Giannis but it's been interesting this year where he has struggled from three a little bit I think you start to appreciate even more what he's doing defensively for this team and what it, I mean, what would be harder to replace, honestly? Because I, I think, I think it's probably defense. Because you know the offense that there's so many bigs that that shoot the three now, and he's he's unique for how deep he shoots the ball, and and then obviously the, um, yeah, the 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 way that he can you can throw the ball down to him low as well, and he can score inside. I mean, he's a genuine all all around player offensively, but uh, I don't know. I think I'm leaning towards the defense. I mean, the way that he protects the pain and works in in tandem with Giannis is. I mean, it's a late. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think, it, I, I just you see it occasionally. People saying, you know, Lopez has been disappointing this year, and again, like we need to be very careful that we confine that to the offensive end because, yeah, exactly. Um, you know what he does defensively, and just the mere threat that he provides offensively. You know, I mean, it's not like people aren't guarding him out there or something like that, right? I mean, the people are people still guard him to a large extent, um, and. Uh, obviously, the fact that the Bucks have shown a willingness at times to to go to him when you know Giannis is on the bench and they need to get some offense going, uh, you know that probably would have been a, a good thing to try tonight um, with with you know Giannis and and missing uh, with Giannis obviously being the focal point, but but missing obviously Middleton and, and George Hill being out tonight with a sore back as well. Um, you know you, you obviously lose some of that second unit playmaking ball handling that uh, that Hill normally provides but um but I thought it was interesting I couldn't tell Bledsoe went to the bench I think like like three and a half four minutes into the game and I couldn't tell how much of that was because he started off poorly and how much of that was because they were trying to get him a quick blow so they could stagger him and Giannis more um I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly if if it was just purely a staggering thing because he also just had some poor shot selection early and I'd say generally wasn't you know making good decisions and that kind of, I think carried over for much of the night. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think certainly, um, you know, you just look at this game and, 
and obviously, you know, it's still remarkable. I mean, it, it happened a bunch last year. I just come, keep going back to those three pointers by the jazz, um, you know, to give up 21 threes uh, to, to be what minus 24 uh, from the three point line uh, and to, to still win the game obviously is uh is not that easy to do, especially in today's today's league. Uh, well, probably not. But it doesn't have that much to do with today's league. In 1992, you would have definitely lost if you were minus 24 uh, from from the three point line. You, they probably meant the other team hit eight and you hit zero. But um, but yeah, that's just a big differential to overcome, especially given you know how much the Bucks and so many other teams are are dependent on three point shooting. But obviously, you know we we talk about a lot. You know the Bucks' ability to balance that out with getting to the basket and Certainly tonight it was pretty much all Giannis getting to the basket. Not a lot of balance, um, yeah. but 58 to 38 points in the paint tonight again. Uh, a nice advantage there. Um, and why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about Wes Matthews? Because I mean, you know, we we got some laughs out of the the Tony Snell game from Wes Matthews, <laughs> uh, whenever that was a week ago or, or a little bit a while ago. Um, but tonight, I mean, without him. You know, the way the Bucs were shooting, you know, I mean, it's sort of one of those things like sometimes you think like bad shooting could be contagious on a team and it's just like everybody just slumps their shoulders a little bit, you know, when you see other guys missing. And so for him to hit all those threes, especially the four in that third quarter, um, you know, you, you needed somebody to kind of give Giannis a little bit of help and to stretch out the Jazz defense and, you know, throw some haymakers. And uh, thankfully, you know, Wes obviously has not had a lot of like night to night consistency, obviously in terms of just shot making. And, and this was obviously by far his best offensive night of the season. So um was really good to see that five out of eight from three, six out of nine overall, 19 points in 32 minutes. Um, You know, very well timed given, uh, given some of the struggles of the other guys tonight. All right. So I will remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audio books and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audio book and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. And if you're listening on the go and not able to get to audible.com right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Yeah, I mean, he, he's genuinely in a little hot streak now, and yeah, and, and we we spoke a lot about the fact that this guy's a good shooter. Like he hasn't lost his shooting touch, and this was um, the case with with a lot of the Bucks guys that started off so slow, and some of them are still like just working back from that. But Wes is up over forty percent now on the season, which is remarkable because uh, you know when you think back uh, to those first sort of uh, you know even seven or eight games, like over the last. Uh, four now he's 13 for 24 over 50 percent so he's shooting well um he does look like he's getting to better spots now and i spoke earlier about Giannis, how they were throwing the ball down to him in the, in the post a little bit and one of those threes or there was a couple that were like this but and you sort of spoke a little bit about this on, on yesterday's pod but there was a couple there where Giannis said they cleared out the the left side for him on the post and they were able to curl Wes around the top, around a, a screen or two, and he was able to find an open three. And he's he's a good catch-and-shoot uh, player. And uh, the fact that he can get that shot off quickly, and that he's a legitimate weapon in, in that regard. It's funny, you you, you talk about Kyle Korver and um, his limitations in, in other areas of his game. 
and while Wes across the course of his career and even even now you don't think of him as a Kyle Corver type level uh, threat from beyond the arc his ability to catch and shoot the ball and get his shot off really really quickly is very noticeable and the fact that he's still been a pretty reliable defender in this system where he's not asked to do a lot uh, in in terms of uh, the, the way that they play and the fact that it is kind of a conservative, conservative scheme where they're not, a lot of the times they're not switching everything and he, he's put in tough positions. Defensively, he's been fine. And if he becomes or gets back to those sort of normal levels and, and last year, I think his numbers were in the high forties on catch and shoot threes. Uh, I mean, if he becomes that type of weapon where they can run him around screens and, and, and clear it out for Giannis or even Brooke Lopez in the post, uh, that guy, it, it does become a, a, a bit of a weapon. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, as much as I think we, we all like Dante and Sterling and, and obviously long-term we want those guys, I think, to, to take Wes's minutes to a large extent. The reality is those guys are also, you know, Sterling was a good corner three-point shooter last year, but, you know, do you trust Sterling to be a guy that's going to do catch and shoot above the break threes consistently? Like, I don't think I, I do, especially not like contested shots like that I think you know we still need to see him become more consistent there like over a long longer sample and and obviously Dante is a guy that you know tonight 0 for 5 obviously he's been much better than that overall in aggregate this season shooting but you know do I trust that Dante DiVincenzo is actually a good NBA three-point shooter like eh, not really not yet (laughs) Um, I'm gonna need to see a lot more than you know than the sample we've had so far so uh, I am I'm hopeful uh you know he came into this game 38 percent um, and he takes tough ones too, right? I mean, him and him and Wes are, you know, probably somewhat similar in that. And they take, you know, quick shots, they take him far out. Um, and so obviously to have guys, you know, if they can be in that high 30% range, taking the kind of shots they do, then obviously that's a weapon, right? That, uh, that you have to account for. And, and obviously if you can run some actions, trying to get them the ball, uh, you know, in good spots where they can punish teams, especially with Giannis being the threat that he is collapsing in defense, um, that's obviously uh, uh, something that that gives you a little bit more, uh, you know, gives you a different look, gives you, gives you a different weapon, and and obviously for West, I mean, you mentioned it, I mean, he's scored in double digits now four straight games. Obviously, that's that's an important thing, right? Just because you're you're obviously with this team, hey, the depth is great, but ideally, you'd really like to just know that <laughs> you've got a stable rotation of guys, and you would love to know that you know your starting shooting guard is actually going to be you can count on him to hit threes and and give you, you know, consistent scoring night to night to night and not, not be a guy that, you know, yeah, just some nights is going to get a shot off. Right. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, again, Wes is, he's not getting younger, but he is obviously still acclimating the system probably a little bit. And obviously the, hopefully, um, you know, getting, getting more comfortable, uh, will let him kind of contribute to more consistent level, which so far, you know, as he's been surprisingly streaky for a guy that obviously is, is no, no spring chicken, not, not a guy lacking in experience. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's funny to hear him him even talk about that, and and it's kind of weird. You somehow, or for some reason in your head, you get this idea that oh, he's a veteran, he's been around, like he's fine, he doesn't need any adjustment period. But it's I would, you know, from my position here on the couch, I would imagine that playing with a guy like Giannis is pretty unique, <laughs> and um, even these guys that have been around the league a lot, and we saw Kyle Culver talk about, yeah, I, I have to get used to some of the passes he's throwing, and this is a guy that that's played. Um, with LeBron before. So, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, one last little note, 15 minutes for Ersan tonight. He did come back, uh, hit a three and took a charge. So he's yeah. going to be feeling good about that. But 
uh, we didn't even really mention, I don't think, unless uh, unless I, I missed you uh, mention it, that, that George Hill didn't play. And that was the one we, we weren't expecting. So obviously Middleton was out, but there was a little bit of shuffle um, there with, with him out. Regardless, it, it didn't actually really change the rotation. And uh, another interesting point of note, I, I guess, as I, I, I try to wrap up the what we're sort of seeing from the box score and what we saw tonight, Robin Lopez, only two minutes. Yeah, and he had a couple shots in those two yeah. minutes, right? So it's not like hook he, shots. he did his usual uh, just spinning in circles, <laughs> uh, hitting hook shots thing. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, you know, I think we, we've seen is is uh, less patience for kind of traditional big lineups than uh, than maybe we saw from Bud earlier in the season. And overall tonight, I mean, the Lopez combination, the Lopi, uh, 36 combined minutes, so – you know, you can kind of do the math. That means 12 minutes. That's a big number of, for Brooke. Of small ball. Um, yeah, 33 minutes is big for Brooke. Three minutes is low for Robin. Um, so, but but that means, you know, obviously 12 minutes of total total time where uh, where you went without a traditional center. And obviously we've been seeing a, a fair bit of that uh, for for a little while now, uh, since, especially since Middleton's been hurt. We've seen, obviously, Sterling get repeated looks, uh, kind of playing a, as a four-man, uh, you know, given his – Defensive versatility is rebounding, gives you a little more flexibility. And, and obviously, ultimately, you know, you're, you're just looking for guys to put around Giannis. But um, it's kind of funny with Sterling. Um, he's had some uh, – it's kind of funny. He had a, a, a nice little pick and roll where uh, in the third quarter he found uh, Ursan on a nice little pass. And Ursan uh, completely botched the layup but then got the ball back and, and put it in, sort of did, stealing a, an assist from Sterling. But um, – you know, it's it's kind of a thing with Sterling. It's just kind of a bit frustrating, just because you know we see sort of flashes from him as a, a driver and finisher. But overall, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much soccer uh, you you watch came, but he's just like a guy who like can't do anything, can't make the right decision in the final third of the field. You know, like mm-hmm. and for people who aren't big soccer fans, like you know, suddenly you see these wingers who are like really talented and they can you know, run with the ball and they can kind of make plays, whatever. But then they get in that final third, they get near the body, the opponent's box. And you just need like that one good pass, or you need to be able to, you know, put the ball on frame and, and be able to finish score goals, whatever. And they just can't do that. Right. They're just, it's just guys that just can't, can't figure out ways to kind of finish off the plays sort of at the end. And with Sterling, it just sort of feels similar. It's like when he's, you know, kind of puts his head down, going to the basket, you know, again, he's obviously not a freakish athlete. He's not just going to go dunking on many guys. Um, he can occasionally kind of finish, uh, you know, off the glass, do some stuff. But um, for the most part, it's still, let's say, very much a work in progress, you know, as far as making good decisions, whether it's trying to shoot, trying to finish, uh, trying to kick out for a pass, make a, a close quarters dump off or something like that. Um, that's still an area where let's just say he's very much uh, still, uh, still, yeah, developing his game, for lack of a better term. So, um, again, you know, this is, this is the question, you know, like can those skills still be developed in a guy like Sterling? I mean, you hope he can get better at those things. We've seen sort of flashes here and there, but, uh, you know, those are, those are very limiting, you know, those are, those are the types of skills that are ultimately very limiting. Right. And I think it's why a guy like Chris Middleton, you know, has become a, an NBA all-star versus a guy like Sterling, who's, you know, probably never going to be a starter or if he's going to be a starter be like role-playing starter i mean uh it's not that chris middleton is you know far more physically gifted than sterling or something like that but you know he just kind of does everything at least pretty well 
and um, you know, decision-making, passing, ball handling, all those kind of smaller things. He's just a bit better than, than a guy like Sterling. And obviously it's that those, all those sort of things, this, the basketball IQ, all the sorts of things. I mean, that's, it's still something where I think Sterling can get better, but um, you know, if he wants to kind of make, take that next step, obviously those are the important things that, that he's going to have to continue to work on. Yeah. I, I sort of feel that way about both uh, him and Dante. It's like, particularly with Sterling over the last week or so, there's been a couple of times where, I've seen him drive and I'm like, oh, this is, this is a nice strong move. And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. He got wildly out of control there and I don't really know why. And Dante is kind of the same. There's two plays tonight. Like, I don't know about you, Frank, but anytime I see Dante like in open court, like finishing a layup, like I, I just feel like every single time it's going to like crash off the backboard and whoever's following is going to get an easy like putback. And there was the one today, this wasn't necessarily a fast break, but the, the play straight off the, the opening tip where he's just like, that's it, I'm going to the basket and, and miss that. And then the steal uh, really late in the game where he picks it up and you're like, ah, oh, this, this should be a basket here. And then Pat Connor, and I think it was, uh, cleaned it up. They both like get in good spots and make really nice impact plays. I think the finishing touches are just not there for those, those two guys at the moment. And yeah, I guess the, the, the question is, um, as you sort of pointed to, is this something that is going to, uh, they're going to be able to smooth out and, and make uh, something that they become pretty good at? Or is it always going to be the case for them and they're going to be sort of 66%, you know, doing the right thing and then just the finishing touch is not, is not quite there. I'm not too sure. But uh, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know how much else you had to add from this, but I, I think it's worth mentioning because... We like uh, pumping up these Giannis shooting numbers and we spend so much time talking about his free throws. But over the last 10 games, he is averaging 5.7 threes a game. <laughs> and he's hitting 35% of them. That's a pretty damn good number. Yeah, it was nice to see some go down tonight because it's yeah. felt like it's kind of gone away from him a little bit. I and mean, he's still been trying to hit threes, but mm-hmm. um, just hasn't been uh, hasn't been connecting at the same rate here the last few games. So, um you know, this this is it to be to be a consistent three point shooter, a semi consistent three point shooter over eighty two games. Uh, you know, you can't go two weeks hitting like one one three, right? Which has been sort of Giannis's problem. He just will have these prolonged slumps, and then every once in a while he you know hits two three in a game. Well, you know, hopefully that can be something that happens a couple times a week that he hits a two three a game rather than you know uh, something that just happens less less regularly. So. Uh, you know, three out of eight, nothing crazy tonight. But um, I think really the, the the best part was kind of what you, I think you pointed out earlier. He goes 0 for 4. And, you know, when you go 0 for 4, as for Giannis, the obvious question is, well, I guess you probably should have driven. <laughs> you should, probably should have been driving more, right? But um, give him credit. You know, he sticks with it. Hits that one uh, early in the second, the third quarter, I think it was, and then hits three out of four total. Uh, in that second half as, uh, you know, you just put together that monster, monster second half line. So, um, you know, I think he's up, like I said, to 30% on the season. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious, you know, what the crystal ball uh, would say he ends up at because um, I don't, I don't know how much higher or lower than 30% he's going to go. But, um, you know, again, if he's, if he's in the low 30s, hey, I'll probably take it at this point. Um, but at a minimum, uh, you know, it's something that I think teams are teams are definitely uh, having to think twice about, you know, a little bit. We talked a, a bit in that Indiana game as, uh, 
as the you know Sabonis had to kind of think twice when Giannis was yeah. was kind of sizing him up. And I think that's something obviously uh, hopefully will will make those defensive players think twice moving forward. But again, he's just got to keep hitting them with with at least some consistency. Yeah, I mean he, the 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 thirty five percent is obviously pretty um, a positive number over the last ten. Uh, obviously still a small sample size, but the 5.7 attempts is wild. Like I just, I mean, you talk about him taking them and remaining confident in shooting them. And we spoke about that a lot. And for the reasons that you just touched on the fact that the, if the defense thinks that you're going to shoot them, then you're forcing them to at least think about it and perhaps um, create some hesitation. But yeah, this is prior to tonight, he was at 4.5 per game on the season. So if he plays 72 games this year, which is the number he played last year, he would be attempting 121 more threes uh, than he did a season ago, uh, which um, you know is obviously a, a pretty remarkable number for him. But yeah, again, I mean, I, I think when I'm looking for you know positives or things that I'm like, okay, I can really take some stock out of that. It is a night like tonight where uh, for both the free throws and the and the three point shooting, where you can start off cold and it doesn't mean that the night is a write off. Um, I think that means something and it was a close game tonight and he did hit a, a big three in the fourth quarter, which actually we've seen him do a couple of times this year. Now, when you think to the Toronto game, he hit one, the Clippers game in LA, he also hit one. These are close games where he's hit threes and then tonight as well. And then the free throws. I mean, I have to imagine that Giannis, you know, knowing the type of competitor that Giannis is at the free throw line to bring up 50 points. Obviously there's some pressure there and he went back and knocked both, uh, knocked both of them down. So yeah, I think on a night that started off where you're like, well, this is this has gone about as bad as it could possibly go. Uh, it's nice to see him turn that around. Yeah, and you know, Giannis goes for 50 on a night when Joel Embiid scores a big fat <laughs> yeah. zero. You know, we have hey, to mention what that. A, what a, I mean, as a, <laughs> as, a minutes. as a Bucks lover and a Sixers hater. Uh, you know, this it was like the basketball gods put Frank uh, in control of the the control board tonight, or something like that. Um, <laughs> pretty pretty crazy line. The Sixers losing in Toronto. Um, yeah, Embiid 0 for 11. I think he was 0 for 3 from the free throw line. Uh, Marcus Gasol again, just the 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 Embiid stopper. Which I mean, I mean that's crazy, right? I mean he was stick for a lot of that that second round series, or at least that was what we understood it to be, but. Um, man, I, I don't. I mean, I, that's just an insane performance tonight defensively to to hold him down the way the way they did. I mean, he's so big, so talented. It's it's pretty crazy. And you know, the Raptors just kind of keep keep cranking out wins. And um, by the way, I also had to chuckle. Uh, you saw that last play uh, where Philly kind of had that like broken play, and, and Simmons yeah. gets the ball out, and Ben Simmons kind of recovers the ball, and with zero awareness of what the clock is, like launches up this like turnaround complete prayer three-pointer uh and then i think the raptors got the ball back with like three seconds left and <laughs> siakam's dunk counted right i know siakam that streaked down the yeah, court they, yeah um, they end up winning 101 96 yeah which is this the greatest irony right of all the guys in the league to uh get an itchy trigger finger lot launching a late game three-pointer when it wasn't needed i'd say ben simmons is probably the absolute dead last guy uh, to fall into that category, but hey, he hit that three last week, so now he's—I uh, guess—he's just really looking for that next one. Ben Simmons, it's weird, man. I watched—I actually watched both of the Sixers games over the weekend against San Antonio, where 
again, they just weren't impressive against the Spurs team that's really struggling. And then in typical like Philadelphia fashion, they get motivated by really weird things and Jimmy Butler comes into Philly and they completely torch them. Who mind, which, mind you, was on the back of Josh Richardson shooting the lights out from three. And he did again tonight to even keep them in the game. I don't know, man. I'm not sure about Philly. They're 11-6 and six now and they just don't make any sense to me at all. And Ben Simmons again tonight, like... I don't know how they can have so much reliance on that guy. And you look at the box score every night and he's got like eight points. The Alanati had four points. It's like, it's just a weird situation. I don't know. I'm not buying Philly at the moment. I mean, I'm not, I would say this, like I am, I'm not, I am 100% not like writing them off. I don't think hmm. they're like in some, some, you know, deep trouble or anything like that. But I think it is really significant. I mean, the two things I worried about the most coming into the season with regard to Philly was, all right, Joel Embiid is supposedly like in much better shape and he's lost weight. So are we getting like Terminator Embiid this year and is he going to take some big leap? Uh, so far, no. Um, yeah, I mean, his numbers are down. Obviously, tonight was an outlier. I mean, he's not, you know, this is kind of a random thing to, to, to go scoreless. But, um, you know, even in spite of that, I mean, his, his three-point shooting has been better this year. But other than that, um, you know, he's really not scoring or doing anything particularly better than than in previous years his numbers are pretty flat his minutes are down a little bit um you know kind of seems like mostly the same guy no no real like obvious leap and and obviously then with Simmons you know I think Simmons just seems like he should be like a sleeping giant a little bit like you know and not the three-point shooting even but just I've always just kind of wondered like why does this guy not you know I mean we saw it with Giannis Giannis became a guy that just would not be denied attacking the basket and with Simmons it just seems like he just doesn't have that sort of killer DNA offensively. Like he just doesn't want to look for his shot consistently. And he just sort of is willing to shrink into the background a bit. And again, I mean, Hey, as somebody whose team is competing with the Sixers, I'm thrilled. Um, And again, maybe, maybe that, that leap still comes for Simmons. He's still very young. Um, But I don't know, maybe that has to happen in Philly. Right. I mean, I just, just watch his team. He just can't help, but feel like that pairing is, not the ideal combination of those talents. Yeah, that's probably the question for me. I mean, uh, and we'll, I mean, we'll probably look to wrap this up in a second. But that's the problem with me with Philly is both of those guys, and in particular Simmons. But um, the, both those guys, I, I guess, when you think about Philly as a contender and why you, would, if you're a Bucks fan, why you would be scared about that team, it was probably a year ago when you're looking at them and you're like, man, that that those two are going to be really good and they're still improving and they're going to get better. And then what, what happens when they're at their, their peak? And, and now I'm still here a year later and I'm, I don't see any difference between them two and they don't appear to be the type of guys like I, I know. I mean, obviously I, I was in Milwaukee last year, but it's well known even for people that aren't around the Bucks team, Giannis's work ethic. And that's not something that you you sort of put next to Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Like they just that's not a reputation that they have. That they're guys that that work hard and, and are really desperate to to win. I mean, you never really get that feeling from them. So I don't know. I mean, I think it for them to to win, it has to start and end with those two guys. And I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll figure it out as the season goes on. I mean, they're going to win a bunch of games because they've got talent. Like they're they're going to be there in the playoffs. But like you said, I mean, are, are they? The, the type of guys that are going to, as we saw tonight with Giannis, like literally decide his team ain't losing tonight. And we see that regularly with Giannis. We saw that with Giannis in Philadelphia last year against those guys. And I don't know. I don't, I don't see it with them too. 
Yeah, and I, I don't, I mean, uh, you know, honorary Australian Brett Brown. Is Brett Brown, does he have an Australian passport at this point? I mean, he was there forever. He coached the national team. I think he's going to take the national yeah. team job back, right? So I, I hesitate to, you know, speak ill of, of Brett Brown <laughs> to you, Kane. But um, l- let's just say this. As a fan of, of not the 76ers, am I, was I sad to see Brett Brown keep his job? No. I think it's probably something that uh, is probably a good thing you know, the grand scheme of rooting against the six. Yeah, no, that's something that I, I was, I was about to say I was joking privately about, but I guess it's not privately if I say it to you here, but uh, that was something I was joking about when the Australia announced they were bringing Brett Brown uh, back for the Olympics next year. Is that, well, it's going to be awkward when the Sixers get to the midway point of the season and they fire Brett Brown. And then uh, Ben Simmons and Brett Brown have the reunion at the, at the Olympics uh next year but yeah it's, i don't know it's a it's a strange strange situation in philly but yeah I, I sort of agree with you though i mean i'm not writing them off but i'm just not sure about the mix that they have and they're 11 and 6 at the moment but the bucks are 14 and 3 uh they've still only lost one game in november and it was at the buzzer against utah they beat them tonight 122 to 118 Giannis has 50 points 14 rebounds six assists 32 points in the second half. It was a pretty special performance from him. Frank, that was, uh, that was a really, really fun game. Yeah, this is why, uh, you know, don't take the regular season for granted as much as we may have. Yeah. As, as Bucks fans, we may have kind of bigger designs on what this team accomplishes. But, uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't get much more fun than, than watching Giannis do what we saw tonight. Uh, you know, given the calendar, given it's a November game, uh, the stakes can only be so high. But but obviously to see Giannis showing, you know, every every bit of of what makes him special, um, you know, that's that's why. Hey, if they're gonna play 82 games or 78 games, we should, we could probably talk about that at some point here. Some of these rumored mm. schedule changes, whatever it might be. But um, you know, I I look forward to every Bucks game, and and when Giannis is uh is in the lineup, it's hard not to to. Uh, you know, be excited to see what he's going to do next. And tonight was a perfect example. All right. So a day off for the Bucks before they will have one more game. They're staying home. They're going to uh, take on the Atlanta Hawks again. They beat them last week. The struggling Atlanta Hawks at four and 13. I think the Hawks are now, but uh, that'll be one last game before Thanksgiving for the Bucks. But we will leave it there. As I said, a pretty special night for Giannis. Second 50th point game of his career. For Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll be back tomorrow.